Yeah, man, this uh, football news uh, is fast and furious coming through, man. I mean, this is for, for you know, at the time that we're going to be doing this, obviously people are going to be hearing it a little later, but this is cut down day in the NFL. So mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing all the all the news breaking now on, you know, who's making teams, who's not. And, you know, it's 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 coming through in real time. man. So uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of breaking news as we're going through tonight's show. Yeah. But. Yeah, it'll be refreshing every two seconds. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so many things that happened so far today. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy already. Yeah. So, and all the kickers getting traded. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's like you're trading kickers and it's like for like a seventh round pick and stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, why, yeah. why would you just like, yeah. Yeah, Denver trades for one. The the Titans trade for one. I, I mean, it's just yeah, and that's not even like the first ones that happened. Like those are just right. the two that happened today. So it's <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Well, we got a whole bunch to get to. So uh, you know, we got some crazy sports stories, and then we got lots of. We're not, uh, you know, man. It's an exercise in futility to think that we're ever going to get through all the stories that we have on any given, you know, episode. But yeah. uh, tonight, man, we have, I literally was texting you earlier today, said we got three times more uh, content than what we, than what we actually will be able to get through tonight. So. Yeah, always. I mean, literally uh, we could have four stories and it'd be probably four stories too many the way right. we can elaborate <laughs> and move on with these things. So yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, well, let's jump into it here, and then uh, yeah, we'll try to rattle through as much as we can. So, All right. let's go ahead and get the intro going. Let's do it. T minus ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. All right, all right, all right, everybody. You get the horn show. Tad and Jeff here. Man, we're going to have some fun tonight. We always do. It's going to be a always. good time. And we got a we got a whole bunch to get through. So, you know, first things first, how you uh, how you doing, brother? How was the day today? Good, man. Busy as always, but uh, I'm glad to be here. Ready to yeah. get going. Absolutely. Well, we got a whole bunch to talk about. We were just talking before we kind of started here that you know, NFL cut down today. We got a lot of uh, interesting storylines. So we're going to start start off with sports as we do first part of the show. And then we'll move into current events, politics, crazy headlines, you know, stuff like that after after that. So anyone who's uh, listening, if you're not into sports, just fast forward a little bit. You'll get yeah. through it. And then uh, you'll hear very little sports in the second half of the show. So, uh, so well, yeah. just listen. But, you might learn a thing or two. Yeah, exactly. Like you and, might not care about sports, but doesn't mean that you've ever heard us talk about it and you know we normally have a little different take on things than what you might see in here elsewhere so uh but yeah man so let's talk about it i guess you know nfl preseason is essentially over regular season's just about to start this is cut down day in the nfl so for anyone who doesn't know uh any of the any of the people that we just encouraged to go ahead and listen to this part who don't know anything about sports <laughs> we should explain that there are only so many roster spots on an NFL team so during training camp you're allowed to carry more players because you want to be able to see those players play in preseason games and in training camp get a feel for who you want and then at a certain point you have to cut your roster down and and so now it's time to cut those excess players to get down to who your actual roster of players is going to be for the season so 
this is the the day that a lot of players dread man because mm. a lot of dreams get shattered today uh, this is a rough yeah. rough day in the nfl and you know you see it on things like hard knocks you know that's what one of the things that made that show legendary when it started was the first time that cameras were in there where you actually saw what the process was of sitting a player down and you know letting him know that that he's cut from the team and i don't know if you saw this uh, earlier today i saw a video floating around uh so kevin o'connell the head coach of the minnesota vikings had been a quarterback backup quarterback for the new york jets when they were on hard knocks several years ago and there's the actual video of Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager at that time of the Jets, bringing Kevin O'Connell in and sitting him down and cutting him. And uh, and so it just shows you now that Kevin O'Connell is the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings and uh, has really had some great success. And of course, obviously, been a coach in the league for a little while now. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy business. And we talk about it on this show quite a bit. It is a business. Oh, Before yeah. it's a sport, it's a business. Absolutely. I was listening to... Um... Um, XM radio today, Sirius XM radio today. And I was listening to uh, Pat Kerwin. Uh, he's always on uh-huh. there with uh, former, uh, former Steeler great uh, uh, Jim Miller. Uh, <laughs> Legend. Is he in the, the ring of honor yet <laughs> for the Steelers or is that not still? Oh, he's uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's been in it. I'm sure he's been in a ring. Um, I'm sure at some point. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure he was. So, uh, but yeah, Pat Curran was on there today and they were talking. And, uh, of course, Pat Curran was a, a former, um, was a former GM, uh, in the NFL. And, and he was, uh, you know, just talking about, um, you can't fall in love with these guys. He's like, you know, yeah. I, you know, I loved, you know, like the families and, and, you know, enjoyed the players and, and everything. He's like, it's just, it's a business. You can't fall in love with these players. And, and that's just the cold, hard reality of it. Like every year you're trying to put the best 53 man roster together. And it's so, such a fluid thing. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, and that back then they didn't have, you know, practice squads and, and things like that. Right. That was literally just, you're gone. And that was it. You know, now, you know, you can you can try and sneak a player onto the practice squad, and you know, I mean, there's just so much gamesmanship that goes on with this stuff. You know, and and you, know, you love a guy, you see development and how he could turn to be, so you you know cut him, but then you're going to bring him back, put him on the practice squad. But the practice squad, any team has access right. to. Now, the problem is, you you get them, you got to activate them, so they have to be on your roster, so you can't just move them to your practice squad. So. um so, yeah, well, the other it's, thing too uh, is how how it's based on need. Like you know, sure. so so it's the challenge for a team, right? You might have a guy who comes in, plays his tail off. You love him. You want him on the team, man. You've liked everything about him. Great personality. Great player. He's a hustler. But you just have too much depth at that position, and maybe he's he's the third or fourth best guy at that position. But you're not going to carry three or four guys at that position, and you just That's you it. have to let him go when you don't want to. It's not yep. always about guys who didn't play well enough. A lot of times, you know, that's what you would think, you know, is that you go, hey, man, I guess he just wasn't good enough to make a team. No, he might be good enough to make 28 or 30 or 31, even other teams at, at that same position, just not the team that he happens to be on at that time. So that's it. Yep. It's, it can be cruel. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's definitely it. You know, and they were talking to, you know, like you got a team like Kansas City who's been pretty much the head of the table for the past, you know, three, four or five years and how when they cut someone on their, you know, to get down to their, their 53, that other teams are going to be taking a look because they may be the 54th or 55th best player on, on the chiefs team. But for your team, you know, they could be in that top 40 somewhere, uh, you know, as far as that is concerned. So, you know, you, you're, you're poaching good teams players, which, you know, again, just, you know, you always get to that competitive balance that the NFL does, does such a great job of. I mean, yes, you've got teams that are terrible, have been terrible for a while, but for the most part, you know, you've got every team, every team's baseline is 500, right? So, I mean, that's what they really strive for. And they do such a great job with salary cap and just the way they do all that stuff just to make it so competitive. Again, you got teams that are just poorly run, you know, know, but even they luck into playoffs every now and again, you know, division titles every now and again. I'm thinking of the commanders, you know, a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago, they won the division at seven and nine. You know, so <laughs> but they that still under hangs the same but way that, that all the other ones do. <laughs> it's seven and nine or thirteen and three. You know, who cares at that point, yep. right? I mean, it, the banner is the yeah. banner. So you know, it, it, they just do such a great job, and that's what makes the NFL just king. And uh, at least you know, in, in the U.S., uh, it's just it's king, and it's never going to lose its foothold because they just do such a great job with that, and just every team has a chance. I mean, how many, what was the stat for the longest time that like half of the teams that make the playoffs one year, don't make it the next year. And that's just, that's what this is. That's that 53 man. That's, that's just going out, getting other players and, and, you know, getting good players and, you know, drafting well. And, you know, it's fun, fun time. Uh, I mean, you know, and you feel for some of those guys that put their heart and soul into it and, injuries or you know just a few bad plays here or there you know that just decides your future and now it's even more difficult because you only unless you're playing the hall of fame game you're only playing three preseason games so you like you have to go all out every single game you cannot make any mistakes no and it's so difficult because you do you know you see it where it's like that guy who's on the bubble you know he might be able to make the team might not and then you know, oh, he fumbles at the end of a game or something like that. And that one thing, that one play, that one lapse in judgment or or just that one really good play from the guy on the defense. Yeah. Now that could cost you the opportunity for a career. You know, you just you That's never it. know. And for the people out there who might think, well, it's probably not causing, you know, costing you the opportunity for a career, because if you're just not that good, then you're not going to be able to make it into a career anyway. Look at a guy, and there are many stories like this, but look at a guy like a James Harrison. Wasn't good enough to make the Steelers, wasn't good enough to make the Ravens, like got b- bounced around on different yeah, practice yeah, squads, yeah. was never good enough, and then ends up having a really good career with the Steelers uh, kind of the second time around when he's able to finally break through. But it took years for that to happen. Yep. And how many times might he have been on the bubble and just wasn't in the right place at the right time or one play, two plays away where maybe the coaches liked him they felt like he could be a good contributor, but they just had someone a little bit better and he just wasn't in and magically finds himself in the right place at the right time and is able to break through and have a good career. So it can happen. It can happen. That's it. Yep. That yeah. that same guy that fumbled loses his job, but that guy who caused the fumble now gets a job. You know, it's just right. that exactly. one play. <laughs> it's just the beauty of it, man. It's, it's you know, I, I'm glad I'm not 
the one trying to decide and I'm glad I'm not the one that's uh, trying to make a team because that's, yeah. just, that's the pressure of that man. Like you, and again, you're still probably one of the top five athletes in the world, right? Top 5% <laughs> of athletes in the world yeah. when you're on an NFL roster, regardless if it's just regular, you know, preseason or, you know, off season, <laughs> You're yeah. on that roster. You are the elite of the elite. So yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it, it is just so crazy. So, um, you know, I guess yeah, we'll probably get into some more of the stuff. But I guess you saw um, the Colts are now not trading Jonathan Taylor, which I said on the show a couple of weeks yeah. ago that uh, chances are the compensation's not going to be there. And the the rumor was is they they wanted a first round draft pick. So you want to pay him like a first round draft pick, but you don't want to. You don't you you want compensation as if he's <laughs> the best player on your team, but you don't want to pay him as if he's yeah. the best player on the team. And we said today, like he had just poor John, Jonathan Taylor doesn't have any leverage. He's no. still under contract, regardless of whether or not they should be renegotiating the contract. The CBA says you can renegotiate this contract at this point, and he's proven they should renegotiate it. Yeah, we just knew Miami was in the mix, but nobody was giving up a first round draft pick for, for him. It just wasn't going to happen. And, and Arce knew that. And now the rumor is, is he's going to start the year on the uh, physically unable to yeah. perform list or the pup list uh, for those out there who um, don't follow sports. <laughs> and now he's going to miss the first minimally, the first four games of the season. Uh, what a mess. Well, again, uh, part of this is we were just talking about timing, right? It's not a coincidence that right after all this happens, Jonathan Taylor's ankle now, was that real or not? And here's the here's where you get into the the you live by the sword, die by the sword. Jonathan Taylor wants to force a trade, so he's not going to show up to training camp because he's going to hold out because he wants a new deal. So then he's going to say, and or the team is going to say that he's being held out because of an ankle injury. However, now if I'm a new team who I might want to make that trade for Jonathan Taylor. Am I going to trade what I would have maybe been willing to trade? Because now I'm kind of like, okay, is there something going on with this guy's ankle that I need to know about? Is this going to be a concern? Is he going to miss part of this year? Like, I don't know how severe the ankle injury is. Now, all of a sudden, it's kind of like that that, that could blow up in his face a little bit. And we don't know, obviously, if, if it was a contributing factor to the trade right. talks breaking down. But at the end of the day, you better believe teams gave that some serious thought. Oh, for sure. For sure. And again, they weren't going to give up that compensation for him and then turn around and have to sign him to, you know, a, a 13 to $15 million contract, you know, 28, 35 million, somewhere in that neighborhood guaranteed. So yeah. you're not going to give up a first round draft pick and then turn around and do it. You know, I said the compensation the whole time should have been a third that can convey to a second and then maybe a fourth or a fifth. We saw some of that being floated around as a possibility, you know, um, you know, I think it was uh, a few, maybe said second that could convert to a first. I think I saw that, you know, so it, yeah, it, it <laughs> and Arce knew this the whole time. So, you know, he goes yeah. from saying like, no, absolutely not. Then he gives them this window of, you know, two weeks to try and find the trade, sets a deadline, you know, right at the, at the cut day. <laughs> and, you know, teams are worrying about other things, you know, there are several teams that, should have made the bid Miami being one of them, which from what I understand, Miami was in the mix pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, the bills were another one that I feel like should have been in the mix for, for someone like him. 
But ultimately, as I said, he's, he, he's not going to go anywhere because they're not going to get the compensation. And they're going to say, I believe you would want to say, hey, we tried. We just couldn't get the compensation we wanted for him. Right. And so now we're, you know, here we are. And it's still not done because he's still going to have to play. And then yep. next year, once he goes out there for the, you know, uh, those presumably 13 games that he's going to play, probably, you know, rush for over a thousand yards. And they can apply the franchise tag to him. So right. it's you know, it, it, this is this is it's such a shame that that's what happens with these these running backs. That yeah. uh, I mean, but that's that's part of the CBA too. So Ursay's not wrong. Like no, in, in no, any no. of this, he played the hand the way that he could play yeah. it. That's the I mean, yeah. whether you like it or not. I mean, he he played it the way he could play it. The thing that I thought was kind of interesting. You know, you mentioned Miami being in it. And, of course, we know all the reports were that Miami was in it. And and the most recent reports were Miami and one other kind of, quote-unquote, mystery team. It was uh, always was a mystery in, team in there. Yeah, exactly. Always oh. someone else in there that needs to be able to drive up the, uh, the bidding price a little bit. But yeah. the thing that never made sense to me, even though I think, you know, it, it could have still been a great move for Miami. The thing that never made sense to me is why? If, if Miami was going to make that move for Jonathan Taylor, why wouldn't they have just signed Dalvin Cook when you, you didn't have to give up compensation and you know that you could have signed Dalvin Cook for less than Jonathan Taylor? And I think Cook ended up taking, what, $8 million with the Jets, I believe it is, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And so you look at that and you go, okay, so why would the Dolphins have been in on Jonathan Taylor? I get it if they love the player and all that kind of stuff. But if you weren't willing to make the move that required zero compensation and a payment below the the uh, franchise tag amount for Dalvin Cook, why would you be willing to trade you know draft picks and have to sign the player to a larger contract for a Jonathan Taylor? Is Jonathan Taylor 20% better than Dalvin Cook? Okay, maybe he is. But is 20% better worth potentially multiple draft picks plus, I don't know, four, five, six million dollars difference. I mean, we know that Jonathan Taylor's not going to get Christian McCaffrey money, right? And nor should he. I mean, he's not going to get $16 million a year. But could he get you know, 10? Yes. Could he get 11? Absolutely. 12? I think 13-ish is that line of demarcation on, you know, where do you really go? How big is this deal? Um but again, it's okay, then if, if that's the case, if let's say it's 12 or 13, that's 30% more than Dalvin Cook at eight, plus draft picks you would have had to give up. So, you know, I know he's younger and, you know, all of those types of things. But I, I just think... I mean, you're looking at a four to five year age difference. So that yeah. that probably is is pretty big. But I we, we think um, that Miami is trying to be in this win now mode. I don't know right. that they're necessarily i mean of course you're building um for the future but you're you're kind of set up now with you know the, the players you brought in you know especially on the defensive side like you're you're kind of in that hey we, we can make a splash now so yeah yeah i mean you you could have brought in someone like a dalvin cook who presumably has a i would think a a couple of good to great years left yeah. so you're right you could have brought him in um you know i I would probably think Dalvin Cook is that 20-30% better plus fresher legs plus you know four four years younger you know I'm not quite sure you know you're probably looking at maybe five year difference as far as um 
NFL age is concerned. So that's, right. that's pretty huge. Um, but again, you're not going to give up that kind of compensation plus turn around and try to sign the guy to, uh, to, you know, to a contract that you would think would have to be somewhere in that 12 to 13, $14 million range. So, and to give you an idea, yeah. Dalvin cook is 28. Jonathan Taylor's 24. Okay. Now I don't know their birth dates and stuff, right. you know, like to know exactly I mean. that split, but yeah. yeah so yeah. it's, 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 it's right in that range. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, man. And, and you know, who, who knows what Miami was offering Dalvin cook. If, if, if they, you know, the reports were, and we have a little bit of inside uh, insider knowledge uh, on, on what Miami was doing. And, you know, we were told that they had made offers like hard offers to Dalvin cook. Did they just lowball him? And then he saw the opportunity with the jets did he want to play with Aaron Rodgers instead of Tua? I mean, th- there is that aspect of it where you say, Absolutely. you know, okay, well, I'm going here. Tua is a health question. And what happens to that team if Tua gets his bell rung again, goes out with another concussion and misses half the season? It's going to be a pretty steep drop. Now, you could say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers, except he does not have the same history that that's exactly it. That's exactly so, yep. you know, that's that that has yep. to be part of it as well for a guy like Dalvin Cook. If, in fact, he had offers from both, you know, maybe you do look at that. Yeah. I mean, we've also heard that they even had a contract, I guess, in place as much as could be in place um, with Jonathan Taylor that he had mm-hmm. agreed to as well. So, um, yeah pretty reliable source i would think um <laughs> so people listen to the show they don't know uh, they don't realize that we're pretty you know tied in with some stuff yeah. uh so i mean it, it <laughs> yeah so i i it just had to be the compensation wasn't there yeah. and and again i i have to think that third round pick was as as high as any team was going to go on that i i could see multiple picks but the highest that that pick was going to be was going to be a third round pick or like you said a third that's conditional to a second with certain incentives or whatever you know but but i also think with them you're you're willing to give up a first round pick but you you, that's you know you have to structure it that way and they have to agree to it that way so well i think it's there's every possibility as well that the colts knew and we talked about this last week the Colts knew from the beginning, we're not going to trade them unless no. somebody just blows us away with a trade off. Exactly it isn't going to happen. Nope. And, but we're going to let him feel good. We gave him the freedom. We gave him the opportunity to go out and find a deal if you can. And then, you know, Hey, look, what do you, what do you want us to do, man? We, we were willing to listen to offers, but no, we're not going to take a third or fourth round pick for you. Um, and then, you know, it is what it is. And then he has to decide what he wants to do. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a big part of it is that they probably never really intended, but you, you put it out there and you never know, right? Somebody might do something crazy. I mean, the idea that Dallas gave up a fourth round pick for Trey Lance the other day, yeah, that has to be a prime example of exactly what we're talking about. San Francisco could not possibly have thought that they would get a fourth round pick for Trey Lance a guy that has looked almost like a high school quarterback that got pushed in. And you know, I saw something or read something earlier that if you add up every single pass ever thrown by Trey Lance in high school, college, 
and the NFL all combined. It's fewer passes than Geno Smith threw for the Seattle Seahawks last year. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So can you imagine like, of course this guy looks lost out there, right? I mean, he he has no experience. And when he was in college, he didn't even play at a, at a major school or anything. So the idea that forget about the fact that what the Niners did was just the biggest swing and a miss probably in NFL history at this point. Has yeah. to be right. Is there anyone bigger? Is there has there ever been a worse miss than Trey Lance? Not and not that that's Trey Lance's fault, by the way. No, you don't have no, any no, choice over that. That's not a. This is not an indictment on Trey Lance. No. But has there been a bigger swing and a miss that you can think of in NFL history than Trey Lance? No, I mean, you, there's clearly bigger busts. You know, Ryan Leaf sure. comes to mind. Yeah. Um, which. We'll have to get on Ryan Leaf at some point. The way he's resurrected his his life and his career is like you you. He's a guy like that I root for now. Like just a hundred percent. Like he owns all of it. Um, yeah. I'll say yeah, I'm the biggest bust, but uh, probably bigger ones out there. Jamarcus Russell comes to mind. Yeah. Um, but nothing as far as trading three first round draft picks <laughs> and what those draft picks turned into. Amazing. What the what the ten picks after Trey Lance were that any of those picks would have been home runs for the Niners and probably push them even further, even closer to a Super Bowl, if not already won them a Super Bowl. Micah yeah. Parsons being one of them. Imagine Jamar Chase. That, I mean, ima- yeah, like yeah. if they had these people it, on that team, they're going to Super Bowl yeah. last year. Right. I mean, you think about like the transition from a Patrick Willis to a Micah Parsons like it, I mean that's just any of those picks but yeah. they just they moved up and even at the time you know I'm like okay you know I I, I, did, I didn't get it but I, it was a what big do swing. I know right what do I know like the yeah. guy didn't play a down in 2020 because North Dakota State didn't play any football because of COVID he missed an entire year yes they went whatever 20 and 0, 16 and 0, whatever it was the year before. But I sent you this their schedule. They're literally <laughs> playing nobody. Yeah, they're and like community some, college teams. I mean, it was some just of those like games, nothing. Yeah, and some of those games were close. Some of those games you looked at Trey Lance's stats and it was like 180 yards passing. Yeah. So, I mean, at the time I was even like, dang, but everyone was just praising it. And, yeah. How they survive because they uh, of all the other people and all the other draft picks that they how do you give up three firsts, trade the guy for a fourth, and both of you are still employed and both yeah. uh, both of you are still looked as great coaches and a great GM? Yeah, that is insane. That couldn't have happened anywhere else for to anyone else. No. I mean, that's cleaning house at that point, but they were such a good team prior to that. And well, and look at the flip side now, because then you turn around and you get Brock Purdy in what the seventh yeah. round or something. Oh, so he was, he was the last pick. Yeah. Of the draft. Mr. He irrelevant. Was Mr. Irrelevant. So now you turn around and you go, okay, well, well, okay. <laughs> we gave up three first round picks to get the starting quarterback who turns out to be horrendous. And we got to give them away. And then with the final pick in the entire draft, Mr. Relevant, we actually find the starting quarterback that we thought we were giving everything away for to be able to get in the first place. And now, you know, they're right back to being set. The only way you could have survived and absorbed the loss of those three first round picks 
is being able to lock up your quarterback for five years on a rookie deal and have him play well. And sure enough, in the very last pick of the draft, that's what happened with Brock Purdy. And yeah. again, good fortune because had Trey Lance even played a little bit better, Brock Purdy probably never even sees the field. No, Between no, Jimmy no. Garoppolo and, and Trey Lance, you would think yeah. Brock Purdy's never going to get in there. But Garoppolo's constantly injured. And so and, and Trey Lance doesn't know how to play. And so next thing you know, you, you end up with Brock yeah. Purdy. Now, I have to think the seventh round pick, those contracts are two years, three years. I mean, they're not the full five, right? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Um, I'm going to have to look that up because I, 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 yeah. Um, I'm going to look that up right now while we're talking. So you can you can keep going with what you were saying. But um, well, yeah, I'm gonna try to find I mean, it. that's it, it's just amazing that they were able to. Uh, to survive, to survive that. And then you look at uh, a team like the New England, New England Patriots, who today cut both of their backup quarterbacks, Malik Cunningham and Bailey Zappi. At one point last year, Bailey Zappi was in the talks of like Belichick, like Bailey Zappi more than Mac Jones at that point. And now they've cut both of them. There's only one quarterback on that roster. I mean, you have to think, I'm trying to rack my brain as to where they're going. I mean, they have to have a deal in place with someone that's either got cut. You know, I'm thinking, you know, um, uh, the uh, guy for um, the Cardinals who just got cut quarterback. um, Oh, Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. Oh, geez. Uh, Colt McCoy. You know, maybe that. you got me. I mean, you know, you have, I'm trying to think of like, you know, Bill O'Brien's there now as the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, you've got, um, uh, I'm trying to figure out maybe what ties he would have to any quarterbacks that are out there. Um, I'll I, tell you I my just, theory. I don't know. So two, two things. Number one, the, the answer to the previous question, seventh round pick, it's a four-year deal. Four-year. Okay. Rounds four through seven are four-year deals four-year okay so you have a four-year deal with your quarterback on a rookie contract and in the seventh round that's like oh, i don't even 150 grand a year or something yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> nothing. gotta be nothing and so they can build an incredible team you know around you that go. guy for the next several years and that's the only way that you can absorb the loss of three first round picks is that you end up with all the cap space by having that rookie quarterback uh for the next several years so anyway d- not to Moving on to this, the current topic, to me, first of all, I mean, yeah, there was all the talk in the world last year that Bailey Zappi would take over as the Patriots starter yeah. and that Mac Jones was going to be, you know, released, benched, cut, whatever, you know, like just and, and looked at as a bust in comparison to what Bailey Zappi was able to do. He was more coachable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. In my opinion, and again, this is very breaking, like you and I are talking about this, about the Patriots you know, releasing their two backup quarterbacks. This just happened. So I, we have not had uh, time to like see what anyone else's opinion is that we're, we're talking about this in real time as this news is breaking. But in my opinion, this is just a last ditch vote of confidence to try to get Mac Jones back on track. There were nothing but reports last year about Mac Jones and Bill Belichick having problems uh, Mac Jones did not like uh, the way that Belichick was coaching him. 
He was reaching out for outside help on how outside to manage help, yeah. the situation. You know, yep. all of these things, right? We just heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. Nothing about nothing but disappointment in Mac Jones, who had a solid rookie year. Everyone thought he would take a step forward last year, and he took a significant step back. He did not play well last year. And then you had the times that Bailey Zappi comes in and magically, same offense, same game plan. He's playing great. And so this was, in my opinion, knowing nothing else, this is we're not going to entertain a quarterback controversy. We're not going to allow one to develop. And this is our ultimate vote of confidence in Mac Jones that you are the starter and it doesn't matter what else happens. You're the man. We're all behind you. And I guarantee you, Bill Belichick is not in his heart of hearts happy about having to let Bailey Zappi walk. It just doesn't, it wouldn't make sense. You saw what the guy did last year. And the idea that you're not even going to have him there as a backup, someone else is going to scoop that dude up so fast. If anything, imagine being Dallas today. You just gave up a fourth for Trey Lance. You could have grabbed Bailey Zappi for nothing. He just got for cut. Nothing. Yep. So, you know, I mean, I, I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, so, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I obviously they're going to have a plan. I mean, they're not going to go into the season yeah. with one quarterback. So I don't know, maybe a Will Greer who played uh, his tail off uh, last game for the Cowboys. Um, you know, Colt McCoy. You know, do you bring Brian Hoyer back for what is fourth stint? Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. he just makes a living uh, being back up there. Uh, you know, maybe no one claims either of those two guys and you stash one. Maybe you put Bailey back on the practice squad, possibly. I don't know how I wouldn't Can't think imagine. he was clear, but maybe yeah. maybe people just aren't that impressed by him. Um, well, I'll tell yeah. you one thing. I'll give you a team. If there was any doubt, w w what the Arizona Cardinals are doing right now is criminal to their fans. <laughs> Literally absolutely criminal runs against everything that the NFL is about. This is obvious tanking. So for anyone who doesn't know, Colt McCoy was the backup there for the last several years. Yep. Kyler Murray, their highly heralded, highly touted starter who has been underwhelming to say the very least at times, uh, tore his ACL. So now you had a guy in the system in Colt McCoy knows. I, I say, knows the system. Now they do have a new head coach there, um, but still knows the players, knows the systems and is a veteran veteran in the league. Man, Colt McCoy has yep. been around forever. He can, he can, he can roll with it. And then magically after the last preseason game, you cut the presumed starter yep. for the upcoming season. He is your starting quarterback because Kyler's not going to be able to play. He is the presumed starter and you cut him. And now you have Josh Dobbs who just showed up there. Just traded and, him. And doesn't Cleveland. know anything about the situation. He's just walking in. So you can't say, oh, he's our guy. You haven't even seen the guy play. You don't know him. He hasn't been there. And then the other guy that you have, which I'm, I can't believe I'm drawing a, I mean, I, I can believe I'm drawing a blank on his name because oh, I wouldn't Clay even know his name. Clayton Toon. There it is. Toon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you, Rookie. you know. Yeah. It, yeah. And that's the guy you're going to throw in. Who was yep. like what of the fifth or sixth quarterback taken in the draft or something like that? Yeah, like yeah. that's the guy. So so now here you are, and you're going into the season, and you say, okay, our starter is out. 
the next guy, the experienced backup that we had and we invested in for this exact situation, <laughs> which would be our starter being injured. We need a guy who can come in and play in Colt yeah. McCoy. You release him. And then the two guys you have in there are a rookie and a complete unknown guy that you just just walked in last week. Well, into I mean, your building. And you, yeah. And, and you know what? Um, um, uh, Josh Dobbs is. I mean, he's he's a competent backup quarterback. Like he's yeah. a guy who can come in and start a couple of games. And I mean, they they haven't rolled Kyler out for the season. They've put him on the pup list, which means right. he's going to miss minimally the first four games. Yeah. But is he far enough along that you think you can get him back week five, week six? Because right. if you can, he gives you the best chance to win. So <laughs> you know it, it, he gives you that opportunity. So with someone like a Colt McCoy, you think could steer the ship, could guide you to a win or two wins. Yep. So if he comes back week five, week six, maybe you're two and four, you're not out of it at that point. Right. You know, what yeah. I mean? you know, you're, you're, you're not that far gone, that far out of it. So, I mean, it's very, very questionable for sure. I mean, I'm hearing good things about Clayton Toon. I, I looked at his preseason stats because I was like, well, maybe the dude's just ripping the league up. I, no, they weren't that <laughs> impressive. I'm sorry. They weren't that impressive. You can say yeah. like, hey, he played better each game. Sure he did. But, you know, he again, he's going in there playing. That. Right. And he's going in there playing against second, third, third string guys. Right. So it's not like he went in there and just tore the roof off where you're yeah. like, dang, we got something here. Uh, well, here's the other thing. If you're the Cardinals, if you're not going, if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you aren't going after Bailey Zappi, then you are proving to your fans you do not care about winning. It doesn't matter to you. You cut Colt McCoy, you want to have a journeyman and a rookie come in who neither of which have any experience in your system or with your people. And you have an experienced and successful young backup quarterback that you could now get in a Bailey Zappi, which is very you know surprising and unexpected that this move would be made. No team in the league would have a stronger need for that player than the Arizona Cardinals. So if the Cardinals don't bother to make that move, then you know for sure that they're tanking. Separate from that, since they are tanking, who are they tanking for? Is it Caleb Williams or is it Marvin Harrison Jr.? Are you saying we want the best wide receiver for Kyler or are you realizing what I think most of the rest of the world realized a long time ago, which is that Kyler is not the answer and we have the opportunity to get Caleb Williams. The problem is you've got so much money tied up in Kyler. I don't know how you get out from under that. I would have no clue how that would work. Like, I, I don't, the only thing I could think you could do is you bring someone like Caleb in and you cut Kyler and you just eat that money saying, okay, we're paying yeah. Caleb as if he's Kyler. I mean, that's about the only thing I could think you could do because I don't even, no one's going to trade you for him. And I don't know, I, I, you know, I, I'm so, I, I'm so confused on Kyler. I don't know. I really don't know. There's games where I, you see him play where you're like, all right. Oh, he's I think talented. So. Yeah, I think so. I think this is it. And then you see other games you play where you're like, Dude, did he even like? Did he even <laughs> study last week? You know, did did he even know what he was getting into? And you know, I'm sure there's way more to it than what we know. You yeah. know, offensive line play. Did the, the runners run the right route? You know, what a ton of stuff. But 
Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, if you're going for Caleb, I, I, I mean, I mean, Jonathan Gannon has, and the GM there, neither of them have any, like they don't, they don't have any skin in the game as far as oh. Kyler is concerned. They just have his poor contract that you're dealing with. And that was a contract that you didn't have to give. <laughs> oh, like it was his third year. Why <laughs> yeah, would you, you ever that. do that? You didn't have to do that. And so now you've got next year, what, 47 million coming due. And then I think the year after is like 55. Uh, yeah. I mean, that only thing you could do is bring, you know, draft a guy that you're going to pay $2 million to for the year or whatever, you know, yeah. and, and justify it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what, are you going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. first, though? Uh, it's See, be and if you do, then that then if you if that's the plan, then you're saying we're all in on Kyler. We believe in him no matter what. Yeah. The only shortcoming for him is that we have not given him enough weapons. And now we're going to do that. And good things are going to happen. However, you did bring in DeAndre Hopkins. And you did bring in, gosh, who was it? Zach Ertz that was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so you had Zach Ertz and DeAndre Hopkins right away. You're talking about two pro bowl players and your quarterback couldn't get it done. Right. You have a competent run game, not a, not an amazing run game, but a competent run game <laughs> and with James Conner and everything. So it's like you had a solid run game, not to mention Kyler's ability to scramble. You had a top tier wide receiver, a top tier tight end, and you couldn't make it happen. So, I feel like you should know what you need to know at this point if you're the Cardinals about Kyler. Not that he's not talented, but boy, I don't think you'd get any more trading Kyler than uh, what the Colts got for or would have gotten for Jonathan Taylor. Nobody's right. going to give you a first or probably even a second for Kyler Murray. They don't trust no. him and he's not worth the money. Nobody's going to want to get stuck with that contract. No, no. I mean, no. I, I don't even know how you would rework it. I don't know. I don't know. I you would have to just assume that the Cardinals would have to eat most of that contract. I don't even know if they can do that. Uh, they'd have to work something out. And trust me, it's the NFL. There's ways to manipulate that salary cap, kick the can down the road, so yeah. to speak. Um, but yeah, I, I it's going to be. That's the one I, I don't know. Maybe they see something in Clayton Tune that um, none of us have seen. And then Gannon's coming out and saying, oh, well, for competitive reasons, we're not going to name a starter. <laughs> well, silly. which tells me then that Clayton Tune isn't the person because <laughs> Josh Dobbs at that point hadn't even practiced. <laughs> so, you know, what do you what do you mean that you're not going to name a starter? So you're cutting Colt McCoy. Yeah, and for competitive reasons, you're not going to name a starter. Well, if you, again, the old adage: if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback, right? Yep. I mean, how you're not going to confidently go into that and say, "No, we we love Clayton. We're going with Clayton. We're rolling with him until Kyler's able to come back." But you didn't. You didn't say that. You're you saying could've. you could have yes, said it. Very, you absolutely could have, but yeah. you chose not to. Right. So yeah, now, and, and the other thing, too, is nobody. no one asked previously who the starting quarterback was going to be because everyone knew it was going to be Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. Nobody yeah. was even bothering to ask the question. There was no question going into this about, like, hey, who's the day one starter going to be? It was clearly Colt McCoy. There had never been a question about it. So now it's like you've invited that question. It was never being asked because you cut the guy without even allowing him the opportunity to play. Who was the experienced backup? 
And so yep. now you want to have this horrible season, which you will. You'll probably win four games. And then you want to be able to blame that on Kyler's injury and and then hope that, you know, someone else didn't manage to screw up their season worse than you did and was even more incompetent than you were as the Arizona Cardinals. And then you're able to get presumably Caleb Williams. Because yep. I think Marvin Harrison Jr., as good as he's going to be, it, it just wouldn't make sense. It would not make sense to go through all of this. And, I- and that well yeah i'll be curious to see if kyler's healthy or or i guess not even if he's healthy if they're going to presume that he's healthy and bring him back and take him off the pup list or if they're going right. to say well we're not going to yeah. risk it that'll tell <laughs> us a lot too so right. I mean, if he comes back week five even if they go oh and four they still have a chance to be very competitive but yeah is that what they want do they want to be competitive you know I, I, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't think they want to finish 500. I don't think they want to finish, you know, uh, you know, with seven wins because yeah. that's not getting you the first pick. I, I mean, presumably right now on paper, all things being equal, they're clearly top three worst teams right now. Right? Yeah. I, 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 I can't imagine anyone like I can see the Texans still being bad. I can see Carolina still being bad. You know, I can still see a lot of these teams not being great, even though Carolina actually wasn't that bad last year. No, um, I think they'll be a lot better. I think it's going to yeah. be a big gap between them and yeah. Arizona. But then you see, like, the Texans cutting, you know, their starter, you know, um, you know, one of their starting defensive players. You see, yeah. you know, so then you're like, okay, well, now, clearly they're not going to tank because they just drafted a quarterback. So uh, is Marvin Harrison worth that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, some of those guys, you know, maybe that's what they're doing. I, it, it's, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, right now you put, you peg Arizona is probably, you know, like I said, top one to three, as far as the worst teams right now in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, do they want to jump out of that? It, you know, cause if you bring Kyler in as much as we think that he may not be the guy, he's still a top, yeah. 15 quarterback. He's a league. guy. He's at least yeah. a guy. He's not the guy, but he's a guy. Yeah. I mean, he could maybe be top 15 in the league. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. but I, I don't see them. Uh, if they bring him in, like he's not, they're not going to have the worst record. So yeah. I mean, right now I, I don't know who that is. Uh, I, I mean, you know, outside of them, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's probably going to be a surprise, really, really bad teams clearly, but you know, maybe the Rams, but I don't even know if the Rams even have their pick next year. I don't know. They keep trading, they traded right. over right. their first round picks away for eternity. <laughs> so, you know, if they, if they have their pick, they could possibly be, but again, with Matt Stafford being healthy, you know, you got to think they're not even going to be that bad. So uh, it's going to be, we haven't even started the season yet. And we're already <laughs> looking at a team that feels like they're probably trying to tank this season. Yeah. I don't know what they're, but let let me say this. If they aren't trying to tank, then this is extraordinary incompetence. Like, like this is better explained that you're tanking than just that you're really that bad of a football team and an organization. Right. right? Right. So like, like the best case scenario is that you're tanking. (laughs) Like that's by far the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. even if you think that Clayton Toon is the guy, yeah, you still have you know 
you, you still had Colt McCoy, who is yeah. a very competent backup. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't have to go out and, and and trade for a Josh Dobbs because you had Colt McCoy. So yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So um, yeah, it's better explained. You're absolutely right. It's better explained that they're trying to they're trying to tank. Yeah. No. Big question is: Is it for wide receiver or is it for a quarterback? So yeah, that remains season to be seen. will tell. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on a little bit here. Uh, in the latest sign of the apocalypse, the Baltimore Orioles Colorado Rockies game uh, was delayed the other day because a swarm of bees took <laughs> over the outfield, and uh, this is. Like, no joke. I mean, this is a very, like, sizable swarm. In fact, I have this. Let me see if I can bring this up to be able to show you a little bit of what's going on here. All right. So you'll probably hear the announcer as well. Uh, but for anyone who's listening on the podcast, essentially there's video. I'm going to play this video clip, and you can just see these bees swarming around the outfield in the middle of the game. Ran in quickly. Wow, this is a massive swarm of bees. That's, again, out in left center. Yeah. So <laughs> so what happened was they're, they're playing the game, and uh, as they're playing – sorry, I'm not getting off my screen for some reason. Well, that's going to be stuck there, I guess. <laughs> for some reason, my uh, video won't uh, won't go away here. But uh, so, yeah, so what ends up happening is Rocky's left fielder, Nolan Jones, is out there in the outfield and then just comes sprinting in from the outfield in the <laughs> middle of the game and nobody knew what was going on. Oh, that's and it funny. turns out that swarm uh, that the swarm of bees had found him and he was surrounded by bees and dude made a run for it to be able to get away. So that they ended up having to so delay the funny. game to manage to get rid of this huge swarm of bees in the outfield. <laughs> that's crazy. so funny you ever see those videos though where like someone comes out to their car and like they've just made this whole <laughs> hive on their headlight you know it's just like it's so weird one thing hits and then they're all just like oh cool all right let's just hang out here yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so strange and it's so bad too because you know like, like you're playing baseball right it's late in the season at this point you know, you're tired, you're out in the heat, oh, yeah. and you're just out here like, okay, I'm just grinding away. And if you're the Colorado Rockies, I think you have less than 50 wins this season. You know, like you don't have, this isn't going your way. You know, you just want right. to get the year over with at this point. And, you know, you're out there and the next thing you know, you're getting swarmed by bees. It's like, okay, man, just please let this season end. Let me just be done with all of this. <laughs> so terrible, man. Because, yeah, the Colorado Rockies... Uh, currently have they're in last place in their division. They mm -hmm. have 49 wins as of today, and that is the they're the worst team in the National League, and uh, they are the third worst team in all of baseball. Yeah, yeah. They're now mm -hmm. they're getting swarmed by bees <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Please so uh, yeah, I saw that and I just thought that was kind of uh, kind of crazy. Um, and then one other little baseball thing I saw, you know, it was, I'll, I'll tell you the story. Yesterday, I'm on the phone with my mother 
And my mother is an avid uh, listener of the show, fan of the show. And uh, <clears throat> she she brings up, she was like, man, I really thought it was so interesting, those stats that you were going uh, over last week about Greg Maddox. She didn't even know who Greg Maddox is. Not like my mother is like some massive baseball fan. Like she was sure. when she was young, but obviously, you know, like she was an Orioles fan in the 1960s, you know, growing up in Baltimore. But like, you know, obviously doesn't really keep up with baseball now. She didn't know who Greg Maddox was, but she was very impressed with Greg Maddox stats. And uh, and, and there and they were some really fascinating things that we talked about. And there's so many more that we have not even talked about. Like I told her, I was like, we didn't want it to turn into the Greg Maddox show. So we just, you know, I pulled a couple quick ones, but there were so many more that we have. This is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. The stats are insane with him. Yeah, But this one I found, I thought, okay, I got to do one more Greg Maddox thing. We didn't even have this to talk about last week, but I thought this one is insane. The person, the Major League Baseball player who has the most seasons stealing at least one base without being caught whatsoever thrown out stealing for that season, Greg Maddox. <laughs> 10 seasons Greg Maddox stole at least one base and did not get thrown out for that whole season 10 different seasons in his career Greg Maddox never got thrown out and stole at least a base now again we're not saying the leading pitcher all time this is of all professional baseball players ever Greg Maddox, of all people, not Ricky Henderson, not anyone who's known for stealing bases. Greg Maddox is the uh, is the one. And and I got to tell you, if you look at Greg Maddox, he does not appear uh, to be particularly fleet of foot. You would not no. look at him and go like, oh, no. boy, that guy's just a, a killer athlete. I can see him stealing <laughs> tons of bases. I mean, he looks like, you know, just a, a very normal guy that would work at Dillard's or something. So he does not look like some really crazy professional athlete, but couldn't throw him out. Could not throw no. uh, Greg Maddox out. He's got that deceptive speed. Uh, right. What are they? What do they call the uh, white guys? <laughs> what, yeah, deceptive speed and uh, shifty. Yeah. And he's very yeah. shifty. Yeah, I mean, like here, here's the thing. If you uh, if you look, because I will again just for the people that are watching the show, I will uh, I'll give you this, and the people listening, you'll hear it. This is Greg Maddox stealing a base. Okay, that looks laborious is. for him. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, not, he's not flying or anything like that. I mean, oh really, the catcher could have thrown him out with a good throw 15 feet in front of second base. Uh-huh. <laughs> just you wasn't a good throw. The, uh, the first baseman wasn't even trying to hold him on the bag. Yeah, either, he's just so. like, we got nothing to worry <laughs> about here. Yeah. There goes old Greg. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was a pretty crazy, uh, crazy stat there for Greg Maddox. Yet again, not only does this guy have records pitching, but even base stealing, he was superior to most uh, most, most major league baseball players. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> Good on you, Greg. Yeah. So, um, all right. So what do you think? Should we roll from sports? Do you have any other sports stuff you want to touch on? Any stories that we uh, that I missed on or anything? I like it. Let's know. I think we're... Uh... I think we're good here. So. All right. 
So then we'll move on. Uh, let's go into some non-sports stuff. And uh, look, I mean, we're a little late based on just when we're uh, shooting the show this week, but uh, we lost one of the greats last week uh, or this past week. And that is none other than Bob Barker, longtime host of The Price is Right. Bob Barker died at 99 years old. Uh, so I thought that was worth talking about. What are your thoughts on old Bob Barker? Yeah, it was so, uh, uh, of course, people quick to point out that he uh, got as close to a dollar without going over <laughs> at 99. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was great, man. Like, what what else did you do when you were homesick from school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Price is so right. true. So true. That, Price that is right, it. man. Yeah. That was the thing to watch. Yep. And the, and the influence he had, you know, spay and neuter your pets. And, and, you know, he was just such a, a, a great, uh, a great advocate for, you know, for, for stuff like that. Um, yeah. I don't, I, did, I don't know anyone ever had a bad word to say about the guy either. Like yeah. You didn't hear stuff like, Oh, Bob used to do this or that, you know, and, and maybe <laughs> he's a real tyrant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Knows? Maybe I don't know. Maybe it'll come yeah. out now. You know that the uh, <laughs> the the uh, the Price is Right uh, ladies. You know, right, right. Come out and say he was a real perv or something. You know, I, I don't know, <laughs> but you don't hear much about it. I mean, and then, you know, of course, he had some iconic play. You know, movies and with Happy Gilmore. Oh my you goodness, know, Adam just, Sandler and him. Yeah, made the movie. I mean, honestly, yes, just yes. just made the movie. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's sad. I mean he had stopped shooting the show and was that two thousand and seven or eight? Was it that long ago? It might have been. I truly don't it know, was, but it wouldn't yeah. be surprising because even that would have been, you know, he's like eighty some odd years old at that point. Right, like sooner or later, right. you got to hang up your spurs, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's um, yeah, uh, it was a good one, man. Like you just. He hosted a daytime game show. Like you just, uh, yeah. you know, th you're not going to hear about that anymore. Like you're not going to be like, oh, Wayne Brady. You know, not, like no one, like, you know what I mean? Like I think, right. I don't know if he's still not hosts, as culturally uh, impactful as, right. uh, yeah. as what a Bob Barker, yeah. you know, ended up. You know, with. so, so you're, you're coming to an end, you know, you think about it really like of just great hosts of, of game shows. Right. So yeah. Alex Trebek has passed away. Now you've got Bob Barker, you know, Pat Sajak is, you know, looking to retire, if I'm not oh. mistaken, next year or so. Yeah, he's stepping so, down. Yeah. So you really, you know, that's, the, you don't, you're not going to see that anymore, right? I mean, you're, you, th there's just nothing that's been around for as long as these games uh, have, you know, just, just the, the length of these game shows that have been on and the hosts, you know, they're just iconic you're never going to see that again. I mean, we're just, we're coming to an end. It's just a weird time. We're just losing these people. And it's, you know, you're not, yeah. again, you're not going to care about, you know, Steve Harvey. You're not going to think of Steve Harvey <laughs> as the host of family feud. Right. Right. You know, it's just, you're not going to put those, those people to mind when you, when it comes to the stuff like that. Well, there's such a difference too, because the, you know, the thing that people don't realize or necessarily always remember is that, you know, you mentioned like, oh man, when you're, you know, homesick from school, you're watching The Price is Right. But it was also because there were only like five channels. So, you know, there just weren't very many things to watch. Nowadays, if a kid is home sick from school, they have 
250 channels on TV. They have every video game ever conceived. They yeah. have TikTok. They have YouTube. They have, yeah. you know, Netflix, everything under the sun. Yes. Every Netflix, streaming service, Max, you know, you know, yeah. 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 And so, you know, there there isn't that type of cultural significance because there just weren't very many options when we were growing up. And so and and even prior to our time, because Bob Barker was already in that role. Sure. You know, you look at that and you go, okay, so at that period of time when there were three main networks, NBC, CBS, ABC, that, that was it. And then at, over time, as you know, certainly obviously when we were growing up, you still could have cable, you still could have other channels. But nowhere near what what there is today. Like the idea that there were twenty five channels was so unbelievable, and now it's like two hundred channels, and you can't find anything on TV. So you know, you look at a guy like a Bob Barker. That's the other reason is just that someone who comes out today can't be as culturally significant. It's almost impossible just because there's so much noise and the the, the sliver it. of the population that watches it and is aware of it and keeps up with it is so tiny. Uh, that, you know, it, it, it'll never be a significant, you're right. No, no, you're right. And, you know, I would watch sports center like three times because in a row, because sports center would just loop literally from <laughs> seven in the morning till noon until, yeah. you know, tennis came on and then you would flip over to CBS and the price is right. I mean, that was, that was just, that's what you did. You know, you're yeah. homesick. That's what you would do. So yeah, you're right. There, uh, we didn't have, you know, you'd pop in a VHS tape, you know, <laughs> if you're right, lucky, right. you know. Yeah, and, we'll watch Mrs. You know. Doubtfire. And I'm put this right. On, you know? exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You know, maybe, you know, you were lucky that week uh, you got the free HBO weekend or something, mm, you know, that yeah. extended for a couple of days, you know, after that. <laughs> if you were sick on a Friday, you know, you might be able yeah. to get into that free HBO weekend, you know. <laughs> And watch, uh, you know, any which way but loose with uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, <laughs> for, for the well, dude, I'll time. tell you, I've got a, I've got an interesting stat. This was actually in our baseball stats uh, uh, from a week or two ago, and I did not get to it. And the timing is crazy on this because at the time that this post was created, Bob Barker had not yet passed away. So here's a stat in honor of Bob Barker. Babe Ruth hit 476 home runs after Bob Barker was born. (laughs) (laughs) Babe Ruth hit 476 home runs after Bob Barker was born. At the time that I saw this, Bob Barker was still alive. He was 99 and a half. And then it was a week or two later, Bob Barker passes away. And so I had this stat. We didn't find an opportunity to bring it up. I had it in my back pocket. And then it struck me kind of, you know, preparing for this show that like, oh, man, I think somewhere. In fact, I didn't even have it on my list of things tonight. But I thought, I think somewhere I've got that Bob Barker stat. Let me look around. So as we've been talking, I was like trying to bring it up. And lo and behold, I was uh, able to find it there. So. Yeah, that's so hilarious. I mean that's insane. Babe Ruth hit 476 home runs after Bob Barker was born. So <laughs> it doesn't even seem possible that that could be the no. case. But when you look up Bob Barker, he was born in 1923, December of 1923. He died in August of 2023. 
And so, uh, yeah, this December he would have made it to to 100. Wow. Yeah. So pretty uh, pretty crazy. But yes, Babe Ruth, uh, the vast majority of his home runs were hit after, after. Bob Barker's birth. Insane. Yeah. So anyway, I just saw that, thought it was kind of an interesting thing. So, um, all right. So why don't we keep rolling along here, man, because we've got a whole bunch to get through and we're already burning through time. I don't know where you want to go, man. I've got a few different things here. We could talk, talk about a bunch, but I, you know what? I'm actually, I got one that I know you and I are going to dive into. So I want to touch on this one first. All right. So I saw this the other day. I thought it was bizarre and fascinating and maybe horrible. The department of justice is suing SpaceX, Elon Musk's, space company, rocket company, because SpaceX does not employ illegal immigrants and their unwillingness to employ illegal immigrants has raised the ire of the Department of Justice, who is now suing SpaceX to force them into this. So now keep in mind, this is cutting edge rocket technology. Sure. <laughs> that that they're saying no. Anyone that just came across the border or anything, you have to hire them. Now, first of all, that's one topic, right? And we can definitely and should talk about this. But here's the interesting thing. This was brought up to Elon Musk back in 2016. And he said, this is a quote from Elon Musk when he was asked why SpaceX does not hire non-U.S. citizens. He said, quote, Unfortunately, it's not up to us. U.S. government regulations make it hard to get a job in the U.S., but if you're working on rocket technology, that's considered advanced weapons technology. So even a normal work visa isn't sufficient unless you get special permission from the Secretary of Defense or the Secretary of State. So I want to be clear, this is not out of some desire of SpaceX to just hire people with green cards. It's because we are not allowed to do anything else. It's not a wise policy for us because there are so many talented people all around the world that we would love to have work at our company. But unless they somehow get a green card, we're legally prevented from hiring anyone. For example, this is not the case at Tesla. About 30% of our engineering team is outside the U.S., because we don't have the same restriction. So I really wish we could do more. It's just that our hands are tied. And now he's being sued by the Department of Justice. Only SpaceX, because again, not an issue at Tesla. They're not filing lawsuit against Tesla, but they are against SpaceX saying that for their advanced rocket technology, they should have to hire immigrants, illegal immigrants and people with, with uh, green cards. But mainly illegal immigrants. That's the that's the source of the of the lawsuit. Uh, so I don't know, man. What do you what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I would love to see, and you know, I, I would love to see what the Department of Justice is is saying. Like, what what are they? I mean, how what are they basing this on? I mean, surely you can't just you can't just sue them for not hiring people that they're not allowed to hire. I don't, I, there has to be more, right? Like 
we can't, this can't be just that black and white, is it? I mean, it, <laughs> like, are they literally, they're just trying to, you know, charge Elon with a crime. So now they can try and, and go after him for, you know, er, you know, all of his communications and everything else to try and now like get him on something else or, or to get other people on something else. So now you can go after him and now you have access to his Twitter records and all this stuff and see who he's been sending messages to and, and you know, going through, you know, you, you heard about Tucker um, supposedly was going to mm. interview Putin, uh, Putin, but he got called in and was like, Hey, we hear you're doing this. And, and he hadn't even told his wife, according to yep. Tucker, he hadn't even told his wife that he was doing this nobody knew so they had to have gotten the records from somewhere or had to have gotten the information from somewhere so are they trying to now figure a way to sue elon to then be able to get into records like this goes much deeper i, I it cannot be this simple can <laughs> i mean there has to be more to this i haven't had an opportunity to look it up and see what their i mean what what their position is on this like if, if it's really that simple well if they weren't allowed to hire them because they weren't yeah. you know they they didn't have the proper documents to do so how are you suing them for that it they're i've got to be missing something surely well, our have government some, cannot be this corrupt i have some information i won't be able to answer all of your questions but the new lawsuit it accuses SpaceX of illegally refusing to hire asylum recipients and refugees. And they're saying that it could be an important test of the U.S. government's stance that national security concerns do not allow companies to discriminate against non-citizens. I'm going to repeat that for you. Jeez. Okay. The current U.S. government stance is that national security concerns do not allow companies to discriminate against non-citizens. Meaning, if a company is unwilling to hire someone who is in this country illegally, if they're not willing to hire them, that's illegal for the company. And even if the company says, well, this is a national security issue, the government is saying national security falls below judgment or discrimination against someone's immigration status or legality of being in the country. Are we saying illegal immigrants? Or are we saying not? Because I think there could be a difference between non-U.S. citizens and illegal immigrants. I have friends who are not U.S. citizens because they were born in a, in a different country who have come to the United States on a work visa who have fairly important jobs. I, I mean, they're not the level of SpaceX. They're not building sure. rockets, but they have a level of, um, you know, the, it, they've got a pretty important job. Uh, the, the people that I know are in my circle, uh, but they're not technically U.S. citizens. They're essentially here on a work visa and working towards getting the green card uh, to be able to stay on a more permanent. But even though the work visa, there's a whole lot that goes into that where they have to renew it and they have to be approved for it and things like that. So uh, there's a big distinction between illegal uh, immigrants and non-U.S. citizens. So uh, Again, it, are we 
splitting hairs here? Or are we saying like, hey, you didn't hire that dude that came over the border from Mexico. Um, so we're suing you for that. Uh, I, I wonder if there's... I, listen, this is me giving the benefit of the doubt to the U.S. government, which you'll never see me do. <laughs> but at this point, I like they can. If they're being this blatant, like this is wild, like this is like another level, like this is right in your face of saying you didn't hire this person, <laughs> even though you're not allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so here's the here's the deal with it. So they're saying that. Um, of course, Elon Musk said that, you know, it's the Department of Justice's rule that they can't hire anyone besides U.S. citizens and green card holders. So you can you can you don't have to be okay. a citizen, but you have to have a green card, a green card. OK. And the Department of Justice in April, this past April, warned employers that invoking efforts to comply with export control laws would not excuse them from a law banning discrimination based on citizenship status. So export control laws restrict companies from sharing sensitive information and technology with certain individuals from other countries. And so what SpaceX and Elon Musk are saying is, Hey, we have government contracts. This is top secret clearance. We're literally building, you know, like rocket ships and we will hire anyone with a green card or they have to be a citizen because that's the way the Department of Justice has said that it has to be. So the Department of Justice is saying in April, we said you don't have the ability to say no, regardless uh, of, of that. Like, it doesn't matter. So, again, it's not just they have to be a citizen or a green card. They don't need to have a green card either. You have to hire them. And... I will say this is the first and only lawsuit of its kind that has been filed by the government about this. That has wow. not, they have not gone over after anyone else yet. Now it's funny because in April and May, the department of justice announced settlements of similar claims with general motors and an it services firm, but the department never sued those companies. They were not sued. And so this is the only time. And so in its lawsuit, the Justice Department argued that from 2018 to 2022, SpaceX had a series of job postings and said they could only hire U.S. citizens and green card holders, and that that may have discouraged people that had gotten political asylum and refugees from applying for jobs with the company. And anyone who did, any refugee, now again, Admittedly, maybe I don't understand all of the legal terminology. But isn't a refugee someone who came into the country and doesn't have a green card or anything else? Like, aren't they a refugee? That, I mean, yeah, it would sound yeah. right. <laughs> and so, so they're saying that out of 10,000 hires or more than 10,000 hires, SpaceX only hired one asylee during that period. And again, Back in 2020, even, Elon Musk had said that U.S. law requires at least a green card to be hired at SpaceX as rockets are advanced weapons technology. And so Musk on Thursday described the lawsuit as weaponization of the Department of Justice for political purposes. He said SpaceX had been told repeatedly that hiring non-citizens could be a criminal offense. 
Yeah. I mean, that's crazy if it's that blatant. I mean, everyone that, uh, you know, just the comments that I've read, this is just a chance to, to get a FISA on, on Musk and then get all the information that he has on, you know, people like Dr. Carlson and, and, mm -hmm. you know, people that they don't really like. I mean, if it's that blatant, like we've got a serious, serious issue in this country, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't quite understand how it is. And, and, you know, was it that he just, um, um, you know, that he, he was just, um, not willing to settle with them? Like, no, we're not doing this. Right. Um, uh, you know, I, and now they're like, all right, well, we're just going to take this to the next level. So I don't know. I mean, he's, he's pretty feisty. <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> he doesn't back so, down from a fight. No. So, I mean, he may have just, you know, uh, they were looking to get some quick bucks and, you know, do a quick settlement. And, and he was like, no. And so now they're taking it to this level. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense though. If, if it's, if it's just that simple, this makes no sense whatsoever. Well, I looked up, so what, what makes someone an asylee? Uh, and an asylee is a non-citizen in the U.S. who is found to be unable or unwilling to return to their country of nationality or to seek the protection of that country because of persecution or a well-founded fear of persecution. So essentially, if you came into the United States and you're unwilling to go back to your country, you would be an asylee. Now, what the specifics, uh, the argument uh, around like because of fear of persecution, I mean, I, that seems to be a very broad brush to paint with. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't you just say like, yeah, it's real rough for me in Mexico because uh, they really hate Protestants there. And you know, <laughs> I mean, what is like, well, right. that could be anything. And who who can tell you that that's not true? Because, see, that's the other problem, right, is that when you start catering to all this stuff, who who in our government could tell that person, no, that's not a good enough reason you have to go back, right? Like, you're calling me a liar? Well, you're not allowed to do that. You know, so so it sounds to me, and again, I don't know, I'm not an expert on this, and I'm not a, uh, you know, political science major to really be able to understand it all, but it certainly seems to me that really that we're really, in that situation, in that where, situation where it's we're having other problems. Other problems. Well, sounds like it we're sounds having like a little technical, technical issue on your end there. I'm hearing some, some uh, echo. echo. Can you hear, Can me? hear me? I got you. Give me two seconds here. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We're just Sorry, having patience for a second. You can hear me twice. Hear me twice. All right, I just muted you, so I think that should take care of it for now. And uh, yeah, so, you know, when you look at these situations and, you, you know, this is kind of a weird one, right? Because what you're saying is anyone who came into the country for whatever reason now has to be able to work at a literal rocket factory um, with, you know, ties and contracts and connections with the U.S. government. So it, it's, it seems like a slippery slope, right? I mean, I, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, you would be able to, you know, have your own opinions on this and you may feel totally differently, but, you know, looking at this just on its surface, it starts to really feel like something that seems odd. And, and also, is this just the government in some way trying to make an example out of 
Elon Musk and out of SpaceX, you know, to say, hey, this is a high profile person. This is a high profile company. And we're going to make an example out of them to make sure that everyone else falls in line. And that could be the case. But, uh, you know, I, I just think there are better ways to go about it. Uh, and it looks like we got you back there, brother. Can you hear me? Okay. Technology. <laughs> Yay. All right. So we're, we're back at them. But yeah, I was just saying that, you know, ultimately, is this just like the government trying to take a, a high profile situation, you know, and, um, and turn it into something. So, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's all there is to it. So yeah, more weirdness. So, um, all right, so let's move on. We will, uh, we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on this and, uh, you know, and then we can kind of probably wrap it up, I think. But this one was worth spending a little bit of time on. And uh, so I'm just going to read this as I found it, and then we can kind of talk a little bit more about it. Chicago mayor, who happens to be a far left uh, mayor, far left Chicago mayor Brandon Johnson is blaming automakers for the massive surge in carjackings across the city of Chicago, not carjackers, and is actually suing Kia and Hyundai for it. So Johnson apparently has a history of defending criminals. There is a 104% increase in vehicle thefts from last year. And he said, quote, the impact of car theft on Chicago residents can be deeply destabilizing, particularly for low to middle income workers who have fewer options for getting to work and taking care of their families. Johnson said the failure of Kia and Hyundai to install basic auto theft prevention technology in these models is sheer negligence. And as a result, a city, a citywide and nationwide crime spree around automobile, automobile theft has been unfolding right before our eyes. So we really endeavor you and I to not talk about our topics ahead of time on the show so that we get reaction real time. This one, you know, we texted about just slightly and both of us were essentially saying, save it for the show. So, so, you know, this is a weird situation because this feels a little bit to me like, I mean, you're essentially saying, well, all these carjackings that are happening, it's the automaker's fault because cars shouldn't be so easy to steal. And that kind of feels like, well, you know, if someone's robbing banks, is it because banks are too easy to rob? Is that like, should we be blaming the banks for being so easy to rob? Is it like 7-Eleven's fault when they get robbed because they're in bad neighborhoods? And it's like, well, 7-Eleven didn't want to get robbed. Shouldn't have been on that corner. Like, that's the place that, you know, there's robberies happen there. Uh, but I wanted to get your your take on this. And uh, I know we can we can go however deep we need to, but I do think you, you may have some perspective. You have some connections uh, that maybe you could uh, shed some, some light with. Yes. Uh, very, very intimate knowledge of this uh, whole Kia and Hyundai situation. Uh, it's not just Chicago. Um, car thefts are up uh, 104% in the first six months of the year. Now, this is just as of June, and it hasn't gotten any better. I promise you, it hasn't gotten any better. <laughs> They're up 104% from the same time in, uh, as in 2019. Rochester, New York, car thefts are up 355%. And... It just goes on state to state, city to city to city to city. And it is because of Kia and Hyundai making these vehicles without immobilizers. 
you, they tout all these safety features and, and anti-theft features. Do you know how these cars are being stolen and how this all started? This started with a TikTok. And they call themselves the Kia Boys, and they're out of Maryland. So another reason <laughs> why Maryland is just terrible. Uh, all and the way the Ravens helmet right there behind me. <laughs> <laughs> they have figured out that, and this is what you see. Someone comes out to their car, find their car missing. What are they going to find? Is they're going to find glass on the ground where their back windshield was or the back uh, back glass was, and that's that's how they're going to know. Obviously, the car's not going to be there, but you're going to see that because you know why. When you break the back glass out on these Kias and Hyundais, they do not trigger the alarm. So their anti-theft system doesn't work when you bust out the back window. So they bust out the back window, crawl through, get into the front seat on the passenger or on the driver's side. They'll tear out the ignition part, and they'll use your USB cord that you have in your vehicle and put it in there and start the car and drive like off. your charger, your phone charger, like your, your USB for charger. your phone charger. The U at the end of the USB actually fits into like the fob, the like you, there's an opening there. So you'll rip that off the part where the fob would be. And it was almost like it was made for this thing. It was almost made for a USB cord to go in there. It fits perfectly and it turns right over. There's no and normally it's maybe the back of the start button that plugs into that maybe. And, right. and then when right. that's so out, a USB fits in perfectly. Right. You press in on that and you start the car. And so a car should not in this day and age be able to start without a properly cut key for the car or a fob or something to that effect. But there's no immobilizer in there that tells the car, hey, we shouldn't start. So the people that are stealing these cars are 12 to 15 to 16 year olds. We're not talking grown adults. I'm sure there are grown adults that are stealing these cars. Yeah. And I want to tell you less than one half of 1% of them are ever caught in the vehicle. So we're talking about thousands upon thousands of cars. I believe there's probably something in the effects of like 8 million Kias and Hyundais that are affected by this. So we're not talking about like 50 cars. Yeah. We're talking about, uh, I want to say in Baltimore, they're already at over 9,000 car thefts for the year and a, a little over four. It's low. It, to me, it's a low number just based on my knowledge of, of the situation and, and, and no, kind of the ins and outs of this. Like I said, I, I've got very intimate knowledge of this. Yeah. There's over 9,000. They're claiming 40% of those are either Kias or Hyundais wow. of those 9,000. Kia and Hyundai knew about this flaw, obviously, because they didn't put immobilizers in these vehicles. Right. And, and I wonder why is, you wouldn't. Is it to save well, 50 it, cents? Like why? So I think you... it was a cost thing. And I think it was a, a, a was a, um, it was a, like, production thing so the parts weren't available for them to mm. to be able to put this stuff yeah, in okay. you know there was a shortage of of parts and things like that that they could use but knowing this was a flaw and not doing anything about it until these states started suing chicago is not the first state that sued them they're just the most they're just the ones that have been picked up the most because it's chicago and the guy is uh a Presume, you know, I, I don't even, he's a far left, you know, I don't even think he would deny that he's a far left right. um, mayor. Um, and so now you've got guys, you know, and, and I appreciate a lot of the stuff people do, like Colin Rugg and some of these people uh, on Twitter who who point this out. But there's some, there. this is why you always 
take everything that anyone says with a grain of salt. This is not just Chicago that's suing. Baltimore has sued. Uh, St. Louis, I believe, is another one that has sued them. Um, many attorney generals uh, for I, it, 16 states, uh, it, it was something crazy, have appealed to uh, the um, Department of Highway to essentially force them to recall these cars. And they they've uh, judges have shot this down they've denied this they 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 won't do it so they they there's recalls that are happening right yeah. so problem is is that it's literally just a few percent of these cars that are getting these recalls done before they're getting stolen and they're not even 100% foolproof there've been many people that have had these recalls supposedly done who get their car back and a day later their car is gone here's the other thing it doesn't stop people from trying. So right. what they're doing <laughs> right. is they're again going in there breaking it out. And so even if it does work, the home the 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 owner of the vehicle comes out. Well, now their their car's still there, but now yeah, they've but got, got a busted window and my stuff's all ripped window, apart. And my stuff's all ripped apart. <clears throat> so now yeah. there's another claim that they have to make, or there's another added expense that they have because they're simply just putting stickers on the sides that say, please don't steal us. We have an immobilizer in it. <laughs> and thieves don't care. They're not looking at that. They're, yeah. it, these cars are being stolen literally in minutes. I've seen videos. These cars wow. can be stolen in a matter of two minutes. The hardest part is getting through the glass and breaking right. it to where nobody can hear you breaking the glass. The rest of yeah. it is a piece of cake and easy. So far be it for me to take up for anyone um, you know, any mayor left, right, far be it from me. I, I'm Oliver Anthony, right? Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I don't have a side, right? I'm, I'm for right. the American people. Yeah. But this is not the one. I don't blame them for suing them. And when you have thousands of cars, you know, 15,000 cars that are being stolen and you're arresting one half of 1% of these people, and these people are, these kids are 14, 15, 16 years old. Well, there's only so much prosecution you can do anyways. So sure. unless you're going to pass a law that says, if you're caught stealing a car, we're going to chop your hand off. <laughs> there's not a whole lot that's stopping these people from doing this. They're mm -hmm. not getting caught. They are literally going out, stealing these cars. They're driving them around, committing crimes, do, or just joyriding in these things, yeah. finding another Kia, parking that stolen Kia next to the car and then going and stealing that one. And it's just a, a rotation. So yeah, it, maybe they're, they're hard on crime like, or easy on crime up there. Like, I, I don't, I don't know even if you did get caught, what your punishment would be. Right. But if you're only catching one out of every hundred car thieves, car thefts, and, and the, that one that you are catching is 13 years old. Well, what do you, what are you going to do? Yeah. And it's not happening to other cars. Now, we can get into what some of these other manufacturers are doing and, and the technology that's out there that people are doing, but that's that. I'm not going to get into that. Just know there are other cars out there that are capable of being stolen almost <laughs> as easy. A little bit more technology is involved outside yeah. of just using a phone charger. But if no one is being arrested, this is a known issue. Kia and Hyundai were touting their security in these vehicles and there's not even an immobilizer in it. I mean, it, there's cars from 1996 that have immobilizers in them. Yeah. Yeah. They should be sued. And now 
Kia and Hyundai are making money selling the parts <laughs> to people. <laughs> yeah. There was there was a backlog of these parts where people these repairs are not long, right? So this isn't like a month process that it takes. Right. This is a window you're popping in. This is putting trim back on, and this is putting you know the ignition system back in the car. You know we're talking about if parts are available, you're talking about a, a two three day process. This isn't yeah. a long process, and this is typically what damages are. There are some that are that are heinous and a lot of bad stuff are happening, but for the most part, these are joy rides. Now, the parts are so backed up because you know they're they're stealing hundreds, if not thousands, of cars a day are being stolen. Yeah, there's a backup now of parts, so a five day repair process is now taking thirty days because they don't have the parts available. Well, Kia and Hyundai are now making money hand over fist selling these parts that they shouldn't have had to have sold in the first place if you would have just made people aware yeah. this is an issue. And now they're just now starting to do these recalls again. And it's it, it's percentage. like It's it's like a single digit percentage of cars that are being fixed so far. And you, anytime you pull a, your car into any location, if it's a Kia or a Hyundai, there's a very good percentage or very good chance it's going to be stolen. And the person that steals it is not going to be caught. And so people say, these people that originally did this TikTok video, these Kia boys that you were talking about, have they been prosecuted? Yeah. You know, you know? I've, I mean, I don't I've know never know officially that. seen the video. I, I just know Kia boys. So I'm right. presuming they didn't, they probably had face masks on. They probably had stuff on. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming like they weren't like, you know, this isn't like a popular group or something. And even right. if they are, it could have been a situation where they were like, Hey, keep this in mind. You know, they could have used it as a, uh, as a, like a, this is my car, be on the lookout for this type of a situation. Right. Yeah. So uh, no, I don't think they've been prosecuted that I've ever heard of. Well, I have something for you. So in the end of June, 2023, Kia boy featured in documentary about stolen cars sentenced after guilty plea. Um, looks like at that time he was sentenced this one particular, a year in prison and three years of extended supervision. He was 17 at the time of his arrest. There you go. And he spent more than a year in jail, but is likely to get credit for a year served and then just go right to beginning the process of his extended supervision. And so then he just does, looks like a uh, hundred hours of community service. And so it sounds like from what you're saying, these guys, whoever exactly they are, really help to like unlock this nationwide insane like crime wave. And it sounds like they're going to get off with basically a slap on the wrist. I mean, the guy's been waiting, you know, in jail to, you know, to go to court. But then they're just going to credit him with that to 100 hours of community service and then, you know, you're back at yeah. it. So pretty, uh, pretty crazy. man. It's a crazy situation. I mean, look, I hear what you're saying 100 percent. I think you make a lot of really interesting and compelling points there, because if it's that much of a problem, 100 percent, like. If they need to be sued in order to get them to fix this problem, then that's what needs to happen. 
I think a lot of people, particularly when it happens in Chicago, because Chicago now, the previous, you know, the previous mayor there, Lori Lightfoot, same, same situation, you know, like there's the worst mentality in Chicago toward crime. And that's why that city has just gone into absolute chaos and violent crime and everything else. It's now one of the most dangerous cities in America is this mentality that, you know, let's not actually crack down on criminals. Let's, you know, let's try. And we talked the other week about San Francisco and the issues that they had where they haven't wanted to police. They haven't wanted to, you know, detain people or arrest people over drugs. And so you have people dealing fentanyl right in front of federal buildings in downtown San Francisco in the middle of the day. And instead they just tell government employees stay home because it's too dangerous to come to work. The city is just so riddled with crime. Don't leave your house. Don't come to work because it's too dangerous. Um, and so, you know, I, I do think there's a middle ground, but I agree with what you're saying hundred percent in terms of, I, I don't think that it should, and hopefully it won't in a place like Chicago or any of these other places preclude them from actually going after the criminals. But I agree that definitely that should be remedied. And you would think that Kia and Honda would want to remedy this themselves and not need a lawsuit because if, if I buy, if I go out and I buy the new, you know, Kia or new Honda or, you know, one of these vehicles and I'm really excited about it, you know, it doesn't matter which model it is. It could be, you know, something nicer. I don't know if this affects every single model, including electric vehicles, or if it's only certain vehicles. No. Yeah. It's it's only specific ones. Specific ones. Yeah. There's okay. a few like your higher end ones that that aren't gonna you know, you can't do that with. Okay. So, so I go it's out your, and I it's, buy it's my basic, lower end yeah, vehicle. That's exactly what it is. Your yeah. your middle class vehicle is yeah. what is what's uh, is being stolen. Yeah. And so, you know, that the the problem there is that then if I'm Kia or Hyundai, I don't want that to be the reputation because those people, you know, you hope that if I'm going to sell you an entry level car, then later down the road, when you're ready for the next car and you're further in your maybe professional development or further along in your career, or you're just, you know, making more money as you you know move into adulthood, maybe these are entry level cars. And as you grow, I want to sell you then on the higher end vehicles as well. That's, That's why it. these automakers make a huge line and range of vehicles is that yep. if I'm you know, general motors. I want to be able to sell you your first car when you graduate high school. And I want to get you your next one when you've graduated college. And then I want to get you your next one when you're further into your career. And then I want to get you when you're old and you're retired and you want that big yeah. boat land cruiser that you want to drive around. That's what I'm going for. But if I've given you this horrible experience from day one with an entry level vehicle, then you're going to have huge numbers of people that are just going to completely swear off ever buying your vehicles again or doing yep. business with you. And it won't matter that you can come back and say, oh, well, that was only that vehicle because you bought a cheap one. But the next one, you won't have that problem. with. No one's going to be conscious of that. They're just going to say, right. no way. I'm not messing with that. I'll deal with someone. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. And, and Kia and Hyundai aren't, haven't been, had the best track record. Um, you know, a lot of their cars, engines are blowing. Right. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot that, uh, susceptible to fires, things like that. So yeah, you, you're, this is, this is not affecting, again, this is not affecting, you know, your, your CEOs because they're not driving around in Hyundai Sonatas, you know, they're not, that they're not. Yeah. Yeah. It, they don't need to, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. fine. You know, this is affecting their employees who right. who are just looking for a reliable car that they can get back and forth to work so they can take care of their family. That's who this is affecting. 
And yeah. you can be as hard on crime as you want. You know, it, there are many other, you know, cities that are that are dealing with this. You know, just look at the statistics. Minimally 40% of all cars stolen right now are Kias or Hyundais. This isn't just happening in in blue states, you know, where where your mayor is soft on crime. This is mm -hmm. happening all over the country. This is happening in Florida. This is happening in New York, you know, and in, in red parts of New York, it's happening. <laughs> Wherever a Kia or a Hyundai is at, it's susceptible to being stolen. Now, of course, you know, a lot of these happen in major cities because, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, you know, we're not talking in the country, you know, where you've <laughs> got to drive five miles to find the next Kia because, you know, there's so much land in between. We're talking, you know, yeah. this is happening in major cities. But if you're not arresting anyone, if no one's found in the car, well, how much harder can you can be as hard as you want on crime, but if right. you can't catch anybody, right. unless the police are just literally pulling over eight to nine million cars between the years of 2011 you see and 2020. On the road, you pull it right over. <laughs> just a key on the road with a window down, just presume. Right. But now you're going to yeah. be now you're going to be racially profiling. Now you're going to mm -hmm. be you know, oh yep. you're pulling over because you know they're a certain skin color or because they're a certain age you're pulling yep. over. So now there's going to be a whole big issue with that. You can't win in these situations, no. and the only people that it's hurting are the middle class people, the ones that are trying to get back and forth to work, who are scraping every dime, who have you know deductibles that they really don't have the money to pay, but the insurance companies still are collecting it. They still have yep. to collect it. You know, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a, a shame. And this whole time Kia knew Hyundai knew that these cars were susceptible to this and still touted all these safety features and all this anti-theft systems. Your alarm doesn't even go off. <laughs> if someone smashes your window out. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a problem. You know, minimally, if the all if the if the alarms go off, if all, any window is broken, not just your front windows, this probably doesn't happen. <laughs> right, right. But you somehow cheapened <clears throat> it so much that you can bust out the back glass. These kids don't even have to open the car door; they just crawl through, and they can get in. And again, you already you've already supplied them with the with. with the weapon to steal your car because everyone has a USB cord right. in their car. So you've already yeah. supplied them with the supplies they need to steal your car. And, and they're being able to take off with this. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what you could do. And and again, if you're arresting a 13 year old, are you now, yeah. we can yeah. get into that subject. You're going <laughs> to hold the parents responsible because yeah, right. why are these 13 year olds out at two, three, four o'clock in the morning? Where are the parents at? Uh, but they're not even doing this at two or three o'clock in the morning. These are happening in broad daylight. Yeah. Someone can park a car at one o'clock. They can come out at one fifteen, and their car is missing with glass laying on the ground. And, and again, they're finding them two miles away, three miles away, abandoned. Oh, well, fingerprint. Okay, great. So they fingerprint and pull fingerprints. Does that prove that person stole the car? Now you're just tying right. up the court systems. You know, yeah. this is this would be attorney's dreams because now it's like, oh, well, we found your fingerprints in the car. Okay, well, my buddy let me see his new car. I got right. in it and, you know, was messing around with it. I, I, I didn't steal a car, you know. Well, who was your buddy? Right. You've oh. been in my car. You've been in my car. Your fingerprints right. might be in there somewhere. Right. It's like if something happened to my car and they found your fingerprints, we're like, well, okay, take him to prison, lock him up. Like, right. You know, exactly yeah. it. 
So challenge. Uh, yeah. So just, I get not everyone is as versed in the situation as I am or <laughs> have as much intimate knowledge of the situation as I am. And I guess it's easy to look and say, Oh, here's the leftist mayor, you know, going easy on crime. Right. Well, maybe, maybe, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. Maybe he's easy on crime or, you know, he, you know, he, he's he, you know, way, uh, you know, lenient, more lenient than, than, uh, you know, your red state. But nobody's getting their hands chopped off. I can promise you that. There's no state right. that that has a, you know, one time you lose a finger, next time you lose your entire hand situation. That that doesn't exist in this country, at least not yeah. yet. So, and if 99.9% of the people that steal these cars aren't getting caught because they're not, they're not driving these around forever. That's a stolen car. Like they're right, dumb sure. for stealing a car, but they know the car is stolen. Right. So they're going to go do what they need to do and then jump out of it. So when 99.9% .9 are not being arrested, you could be as hard as you want on crime. You're still not catching all of them. <laughs> you right, know, you're, sure, catching, yeah. you're catching the one idiot that just happened to turn on the street where the cop happened to be and he, the cop can see the windows busted out. So he's pulling yeah. you over for probable cause at that point, but you're not catching them. So you're not, you're not saying to the criminals, Hey, go steal cars. They're just not being caught because they're not, they're not in the vehicles when they're, when they're found. Yeah. So, you know, I, so I get it, you know, like you see that and you want to just, and Again, far be it for me to take up for any politician, um, but in this situation, I 100% agree. Sue the manufacturers, get them to fix these cars. You're putting, you're taxing, you know, your 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 citizens. You're, you're taxing the police forces because now all they're doing is going out writing reports, and you know, it, it, the only people making money on these deals are body shops and tow trucks. <laughs> Right. Everybody else is losing out in this situation. Yeah, the body shops love it, tow trucks love it, but everyone else is losing out. You know, from the insurance companies to the owners of the vehicles, um, everyone's losing out, and everyone's you know we're wasting police force by having to go out and write these reports when it didn't need to be. You could have installed an immobilizer in this car, and yeah, no, they definitely nobody would have missed it. Definitely should have so, done that. That's why they figured on. this I'm, out for the first time. You know, I love to see that. That's, that's out. always a thing. Yeah. Who, yeah. who, who was trying this? Who was like, <laughs> who busted out a window and was like, wait a second, the alarm didn't go off and then crawl through it and yeah. then say, you tear oh, the dash out. Let me pull this down and let me put this. I, someone had to yeah. leak some information to someone. Someone looked at yeah. schematics. Someone looked at something like this has to go that's so true. much further. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea who would have gone through all this and decided that a USB cord could start a car. You know, yeah. it, it's just, it's insane. So I, I don't know. That's, that's a deeper dive that we could take that, uh, <laughs> uh, that could lead us down some many rabbit holes, but yeah, it, it's insane that that's literally how simple it is. And yeah. if you're not catching anyone in it again. It doesn't matter how difficult or how, how tough on crime you are. You're not going to get a yeah, chance. No, to, you got to catch them you, to you, convict them for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're not going to get anywhere with it. So, yeah, get the manufacturer minimally to do the right thing and get these cars fixed. Yeah, that makes total sense, man. I agree with that. They definitely need to remedy that situation. All right, man. We're gonna wrap it up. I got one last little thing here to uh, jump on, and then we're gonna we're gonna call it a night here because we we're already 
as always, we knew we wouldn't get through too much, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture really quickly. I'm going to take only a second here. And again, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can see this on, uh, on YouTube, but I will describe it to you showing a, an historic image for a patent filed in 1876. This has loops that go over a person's ears and has a little piece that comes across the front of your face. Uh, an interesting image. The image that you're looking at there, as kind of weird as it is, is actually a mustache guard. <laughs> in 1876, a West Virginian named Virgil A. Gates filed a patent for his invention with the purpose of, quote, holding the mustache out of the way of food or liquid while eating or drinking. He also noted that the guard could be made of metal, rubber, or any other suitable material of proper size to fit over the upper lip and mustache. The guard was held in place over the mustache by two elastic cords fastened over the ears as shown in the illustration. This is a really interesting part of this because Guinness, the beer company Guinness, conducted a study that found that drinkers with mustaches on average lost one and a half pints of beer in their mustaches per year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One and a half pints of beer lost in your mustache per year. So you oh, and I may have, may have some real, some, we would be harboring some real, some real beer in here. That's a, Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was a mustache guard, 1876. There was a real need for that. So this thing would strap across, come across, lift your lip here and keep your mustache clean, eat and drink, do your thing, and then just unhook it, throw it in your pocket. And just let your mustache fall. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. unfurl back down. <laughs> yeah, so I, thought, I saw that. I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, little patent thing there. That's great. I guess it didn't take off, huh? It did not seem to explode, but, uh, you know, there's still time. I mean, uh, patents expired, so this is open. You might see it on Shark Tank sometime soon. <laughs> Somebody out with a mustache guard. <laughs> yeah, if I had anything that could protect the uh, beard from the copious amounts of food that somehow always end up in it. Oh, gosh. Man. <laughs> Went to a Mexican restaurant Thursday uh, with the wife. We usually go a date night on Thursday. And that's usually our, uh, our, our choice is the uh, Mexican restaurant. First, first bite of salsa. She's like, you got it. I'm like, I haven't even, I haven't even put this to my mouth yet. How do I have any of my beer? Sure enough. Just there was dipped this, it in. I got, yeah. Yep. Oh, I had it happen the I'm other day with ice cream. That. I had ice cream the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that, gone it. Oh, yeah. And both of yeah. us, our beards are shorter now than they used to be. So, oh, God, you know, yeah. we used yeah. to have bigger issues. <laughs> Oh, you used to get bad because you can't tell if you put any, if no. anything falls in it. You know? No, I'm constantly <laughs> like just feeling, you know, yes. have my face like a weirdo, yeah. like I'm on PCP, like just uh, yeah. up in my face to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we can figure something out. Maybe we can bring it back. Yeah, we that's can, right. Yeah. So patents uh, expired on it. So let's go for right. it. Yeah. Gates family, don't you be trying to get a piece of this either. This is yeah. all us. Yeah. Stay away. Blewett. You got enough money, Bill. <laughs> Your great 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 grandfather Virgil blew it. He did not keep this going, and now we're going to step in and take over. 
That's All good. right. Well, I think that'll be uh, it for us for tonight. So uh, any any last thoughts before we wrap this sucker up? No, sir. I think probably next week we'll um, finally get our, our NFL uh, picks. Uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for that one. Don't yeah. don't make any betting monies yet. Don't 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 yeah. don't bet, put any money out there yet until you hear us. That's right. And do the exact opposite. That's right. Keep the money in the college fund for the kids until you've heard next week's episode. We will tell you how to spend that college money. That's exactly it. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, we will cover that next week. And uh, we're working on a lot of really interesting things. We've got some interesting guests. We've got some interesting things in the works. If they all, we can't talk about yet. Oh, it's going to be fun. It is. Stay tuned. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it but anyway that'll that'll wrap it up for this evening uh want to thank of course as we always do our global audience we appreciate you checking us out we'll do our best to continue to keep you entertained and uh in the meantime until next time have a great night we'll talk soon thanks everybody good night <laughs>